This podcast contains possible spoilers about comic books and adaptations. You've been warned. Lance, I think it's time for a change. Why is that? Because adaptation is the next step. What are we adapting to? The metamorphosis of life. This is weird. Evolution from one form to another. The transition from mechanical humanoid to vehicle. Robots in disguise. More than meets the eye? Precisely! Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about Optimus Prime. And we want to welcome our guest on the show, my good friend and fellow nerd, Carlos Guzman. Hello there. Yay. Yeah. Welcome, Carlos. Oh, thanks for having uh, me. Carlos is, is a good friend of mine that we do a D&D podcast together, which is also featured on the Geekly Grind, which is called Knights of the Roll Table, and Carlos is in season three and four playing characters like Tiburon and Yenny and Delith. And uh, you should definitely listen to that. But Carlos, tell everybody a little about uh, what you do and, and how you're linked with the Transformers comics. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, currently, I am no longer involved in the comic book business, but from the years 2009 to 2017, I worked at IDW Publishing. Uh, I started out as an intern, then worked my way up from editorial, from, you know, like an assistant all the way to uh, a mainline editor. And uh, I worked, I mean, since 2009, probably later on in that year after I joined, I started working on Transformers and pretty much worked on a variety of Hasbro properties, uh, worked on uh, Transformers, G.I. Joe primarily, um, though I did do a, a couple of other things, sort of like ROM, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Action Man, which I, I don't expect people to know who Action My Man Little is. Pony. Uh, I, I did not do any My Little Pony. That, that was a different uh. editor. Yeah. So the, 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 the missed pony opportunity was, yeah. uh, uh, was taken up. So uh, did, did IDW do uh, any like Watsy stuff? Because Hasbro owns. Uh, I did work on the Magic the Gathering comic book. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, not, not, not my favorite editorial experience. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with the creative team. Uh, let's just say uh, okay. that the, the Hasbro team was was definitely a great team to work with. The the particular Watsy team was uh, a little more difficult. Um, and then sure, sure. non Hasbro properties that I worked on include uh, Samurai Jack with Cartoon Network and uh, Godzilla with Toho. That's awesome. Well, that's a uh, impressive resume, and uh, that's really cool. And we've never had um, somebody that's that's worked on the comic uh, from an editorial standpoint. So this is this is really cool to to have you on um, and to bring your knowledge into this. So thank you again for being with us. Before we get started on Optimus Prime, how, how does a comic like like Transformers with IDW get made? Like, what's what's kind of the the process in terms of like, hey, we just found out we have this title and right and go <laughs> uh so i i was lucky enough where that thing that uh process was kind of already sorted out for transformers specifically uh transformers was acquired in 2005 i believe they started publishing transformers comics and i came in on 2000 in 2009 so things yeah. were already underway things were already kind yeah, of things rolling. but usually the process goes you know um um 
for licensing comics, you uh, have a deal with the licensor. Um, you uh, it, it extends for a sort of period of time. And in that period of time, you will um, sort of submit proposals. It can be a proposal for sort of like the overall property, a kind of like big mm-hmm. galaxy brain style proposal on sort of like what direction you're thinking things are going. Um, or it can be specific to just like one storyline, like miniseries or one specific ongoing, right? Um, so the, the, the process, once things were underway with, with Hasbro was simple enough to sort of submit an outline, um, get them to approve that, um, get any feedback from them, uh, back to the writers, Hasbro, uh, particularly with Transformers, but other properties like G.I. Joe and stuff like that. They're, they're very generous partners. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, um, they're, they're definitely sort of, they, they like the sort of creative directions that we provided IDW and generally a lot of their notes had more to do with sort of, we weren't always like sort of trying to push the envelope or, or, you know, get, get too wild, but on occasion um, uh, Hasbro does have like certain things that it would like to either like keep away from or make sure that they fully understand sort of like, okay, when you say you're going to say shoot Cobra commander in the head, like what, what do you mean by that? And how do you, how do we, how do we want to do that? Right. Like uh, more we, of like off the helmet kind of thing or through the <laughs> oh, Right, right, right. Uh, is it an off panel sort of thing or, or are we going to get the, the the, the guts of the right board. right um but but so that sort of feedback would would make its way towards us um you know there the, the were sort of uh there the were dedicated teams to the licenses so we would get feedback from them and then there was one main person because we were dealing with multiple hasbro properties um it was michael kelly uh uh during my time at idw um and he would sort of provide this sort of like big picture outlook and then give us the thumbs up or thumbs down yeah. um and any feedback that he might have in that direction once it was approved you get that feedback back to the creative team and then you sort of get started. Um, you uh, tend to work on things one script at a time unless you're sort of um, operating with uh, a split creative team. So so usually if you can, you want to have like one writer and one artist or one artist team, yeah. right? Uh, but sometimes because uh, comics are a monthly thing and especially if you have an ongoing, um, you're, you're going to need to... Uh, sort of work out a bigger schedule that means artists are going to need a break um and and so you might need to sort of like rotate out creative teams right and if that's the case then sometimes it's very helpful to have the outline because you might have a writer writing the first issue the second issue the third issue and then skip all the way to the sixth issue because you're going to bring in another artist for that sixth issue and you could get it to them like in a faster time frame and they can start working in parallel with your team that's working on the first series right um but usually you you try and work uh, on it in a straightforward way. You would get the script first, get that approved. You would then get uh, layouts or pencils, get those approved. Then you'd go to inking or sort of like finished black and white art, mm-hmm. get that approved. And then uh, you get your coloring and your lettering done, get that approved, put it all together. Um and and then uh, make the individual sort of uh, floppy comic. You send it off to the printer, you know, anywhere from three to five or six weeks later, you know, it ends up on on the comic book stands. So uh, as far as sort of compared to to other 
um, sort of businesses where you may be working on a single individual project for months and months and months and not see it pay off until like the following year yeah. or something like that. Uh, in the comic book business, you're every month you're kind of seeing like the output co- uh, uh, come out into the stands uh, for, for what you're working on. So it, it, it can definitely be uh, a lot, especially if you're working on multiple series at the same yeah. time. But it, it's also very gratifying to know that sort of like there's, there's, um, uh, uh, there's just always something that you're helping put out into the world um, that's going to show up like month in and month out, hopefully month in and month out. Sure. <laughs> Some, sometimes sometimes it ends uh, in a planned way or in a not planned way. Um, but y- usually you, you with, with something like Transformers, we definitely got the benefit of it, it being successful and popular enough that re- we were really able to put put out pretty lengthy runs with with some pretty good creatives. Um, so it was a good yeah, time. Yeah, it, it sounds like super confusing to keep track of all those things, uh, all the balls juggling in the same. Like, did you use some sort of like crazy notepad system or like cork boards? Or... Uh, the, the, the thing about uh, comic book editing and, and maybe maybe things are different now, but uh, I, I, I would not think so. It's sort of every every individual editor is a project manager, but there's no standardized system of project management. Oh. <laughs> so it's kind of up to you to decide exactly how you're going to do it. And a lot of it gets passed down from sort of like editor to yeah. editor um, as far as like how you want to approach it. Um, but everyone has their own foibles and sort of like little system on how to do it, especially once you're working on multiple books. You know, it can be easy to sort of like maintain uh, uh, a good uh, a good system on, say, something like Transformers, where, you know, month in, month out, like the year 2009, 2010, 2011, you're still going to be editing Transformers. It's still going to be coming out every month. Yeah. Like it's a consistent uh, series like that. And you have a variety of teams that you can pick from to sort of like deal with. So th- that one gives you the opportunity to sort of be a little more consistent in how you approach it in the project management. But, you know, uh, uh, since you're working on multiple projects at any given time, sometimes you get thrown curveballs of like, hey, this comic needs to be put together faster than usual. Hey, this property is like a completely different thing that we've done before. Figure out what creative team even works for it. Yeah. Hey, here's something that... Um, like someone else was handling and now you get to take over it. Um, so, you know, uh, do either do the same thing they're doing or something new. Uh, good luck, <laughs> you know? So, so there's, there's, there's definitely like some amount of consistency that is passed on uh, within like the editorial bullpen. Right. But you do yeah. get a lot of leeway in, 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 in the nitty gritty of how exactly you're going to keep track of your teams. Um, just a lot of emails, those email inboxes are are no joke. Yeah. You got to keep them clean, or else you, you folders and subfolders. <laughs> I imagine to keep track of everything, it just kind of looks like that Charlie Day photo where he just has, has that background of just like all the lines and like yarn connecting to one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of <laughs> like that, except at some point you need to number the the everything that he has up there so you can put it together <laughs> right. from page one to 20 and make it one comic book. Uh, but yeah, it, it can feel like that sometimes. Did you have writers like, like comic writers and artists ever say like, Oh, I just heard you got this property and I have a really good story for them that like pitched you a thing. And yeah, um, there, there's a couple things sort of um, the one that stands out the most is uh, Samurai Jack was announced as a property we acquired uh, before we actually like put together the creative team. Yeah. So um, when when I received that, I did manage to have about a month or two of 
between the announcement and actually like locking down the creative team. And in that period of time, I already had people in mind that I was contacting, but it was definitely the sort of thing where uh, I'm, I'm a very big fan of, of Samurai Jack, uh, definitely at that point and then continue to be. Um, so so I, I very much wanted to like find the right thing more so than I wanted to like get things out and make it... Yeah. Uh, uh, like something that hits his schedule. You know, it, it was more important to sort of like make sure that the artistic integrity of it within reason was was going to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it ended up coming together um, not super late, uh, but I definitely took my time with it a little more than I would with sort of like other properties. And that meant it gave the opportunity for more people's kind of pitches to come in. But just about everyone that contacted me um was was people who were already working comic books or people i was referred to by people i knew or someone at a convention that came up that again i might have already known from the business um anyone who's read the the comic book from idw knows that the person who got it is jin sub who did a fantastic Uh job on that series um and i think now does a lot of marvel work including like conan the barbarian he does a lot of like uh fantasy sword like like um stuff for i mean like watsy properties i think he does yeah like, the forgotten yeah. realms comics and and uh, and some marvel mm-hmm. stuff too yeah 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 so uh he's he's doing pretty well for himself and i'm, I'm very happy with sort of how it's turned mm-hmm. out but that was definitely a case where people knew it it, it it was sort of coming to us and then you know we got a chance to sort of collect things rather than there's some properties that are just like either very small or uh, we want to get them moving like really, really quickly in an internal sense. So we want to announce them with a with a creative yeah. team. And that can be the sort of thing where it's much more up to us to reach out to people or talk to other editors and so yeah. we can have some like at a convention or something. Be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you've worked on Transformers for a while. So do you have a favorite Transformer? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I mean, probably my favorite Transformer design wise is uh shockwave yeah he's just the the coolest looking like most robot robot of the whole gang um but i would say in my time working there the role the the character i came to like the most was uh starscream which yeah. was which was quite surprising uh because i uh, i very much agree with uh uh megatron's statement in, in in the old cartoon uh that i i thought starscream was just an idiot <laughs> a lot of the time uh but but in sort of like the storylines that we put him through and the places that we took him as a character sort of like became so interesting to me and and really like explored dynamics of this character that i felt um re- really don't come out in definitely in something like the cartoon just didn't have that level of complexity but even like other material didn't seem to be like approaching the character in the same way we were we were it felt very unique it felt very different while still being like like villainous but in a sort of like reluctant anti-hero way as it yeah there's there's a great Um, moment i'm sure we'll talk about later with starscream and all hail megatron and it's it was like completely like sort of I gained a lot of respect for him. <laughs> like, like, whoa, uh, Lance, what's your favorite transformer? Uh, we're not going to have too much diversity at this moment because my favorite transformer is Starscream. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and it goes back to, there was one of the, I don't remember which animated series it was, but it, it was the one that involved a lot of the, the mini bots. And so they would like fall onto a certain transformer and it would unlock a different weapon or a power that they had. Mm-hmm. And in the series, Megatron has just like backhanded Starscream the entire time. 
and just made him feel like garbage. And he kind of was turning to become more of an Autobot than a Decepticon at that point. And there was this massive fight and everything's going on. And I think at this point, Optimus was wrecked. Uh, And throughout the whole series, I don't think Starscream ever had his mini bot. And out of nowhere, one of them like lands on him, unlocks his like uh, jet, like propulsors into the front of his body. And he just demolishes Megatron. And it was just this moment of like, yes, like take the dude out. He just, he makes you look like an idiot in every single episode. But it, it was like such like uh, an empowering moment to see him. And I, I'm a big fan of those characters that have like they get their redemption arcs like Vegeta mm-hmm. is my favorite character in Dragon Ball Z. Like I, I love yes. I love that that redemption story. And in that moment, we got to see Starscream not only get redemption, but look insanely cool while he did it. So <laughs> that's my answer. Nice. Um, I, I, I have a few, but I, if I had to pick one, it, it probably would be, there's an Autobot named Mirage, which is fairly early on. And, uh, he, pretty early in the comic, in the cartoon series, he shows that he has this like invisibility kind of power. And, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And he just, he's like a formula one race car. And it was one of my first, like my first toys that I ever bought, like with my money. So that was nice, special to see him and, uh, you know, kind of. I liked that one. The biggest Transformer I ever owned was Scorponok. I did own the Scorponok one. That was mm-hmm. huge. <laughs> Scorpion base turned into a robot. He was like, like 20 inches tall. It was just enormous. I am Optimus Prime, and I send this message to any surviving Autobots taking refuge among the stars. We are here. We are are waiting. Optimus Prime is the leader of the Autobots, a transforming race of aliens from the planet Cybertron. Optimus takes the stance of protecting the human race and leading the Autobots toward an eventual return to their home planet. Optimus is a born leader, a skilled tactician, hand-to-hand combatant, and I would say a wise old soul. He is always willing to sacrifice himself for his cause, other Autobots, and his newfound human allies. He's a key figure in all versions and tellings of the Transformer mythos and characters synonymous with the toys, the cartoon and the movies. In Jim Shooter and Denny O'Neill's original treatment for the character, more on them in a bit, they wrote Optimus has the personality of Abraham Lincoln, a powerful, kind, intelligent, compassionate commander who believed that freedom was the right of all sentient beings. I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Now, his personality kind of changes throughout the years. Originally, he has sort of a like a cool dad kind of vibe. You know, he's telling jokes and stuff and in the cartoon. And then like in more recent tellings, it seems like he's just he's he's all wizened, hardened advice. And it's a little bit more battle commandery. Um, I don't know if, if you noticed that, Carlos, like like how his his demeanor sort of changed. Yeah, I think it started like even way back after the 1986 movie, the the animated Transformers movie. Death will will death will do that to you. (laughs) Death will do that to you. It 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 certainly makes things uh, less funny when you come back. (laughs) For Um, sure. But uh, 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 definitely a lot of the modern interpretations, definitely at IDW, 
um the 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 optimus is is sort of like a very conflicted character yeah. who uh you know deals a lot with like the ideas of being in an endless war like what does leadership mean um is my leadership the right mm-hmm. one or am i leading my people astray you know things like that which can it, it, it makes it tough to sort of work in the dad yeah. jokes when you're dealing <laughs> with that sure. sort of stuff yeah it's heavier uh so telling the origin of optimus prime is kind of tricky because there have been a few tellings of prime and the transformers over the years in various media we're going to focus mostly on the comics because we're a comic book show but we'll go into adaptations a little bit later so there have been three publishers of Transformers, uh, Marvel from 1984 to 1991, Dreamwave from 2002 to 2004, and IDW from 2005 through the present. The U.S. Marvel comics started as a four-issue limited series, but the series expanded and ran for a total of 80 issues. <laughs> Issue three even guest starred Spider-Man, and that was important because it was one of his earliest black suit appearances. Yeah. The plot started off similar to the cartoon. The Autobots crash landed their ship, the Ark, on Earth four million years ago. They make friends with human Buster Witwicky and his brother Spike. After that, there's a lot of different things that happen way differently from the show. Some notable events. Prime dies, but in a simulation video game, but was later brought back to life as a power master because his consciousness was saved on a hard drive. And it was like a floppy disk. Like, yes. like they show a panel of like this little three, three, three and a half inch. Yeah. Better not slide that metal piece to the side. Cause that he's gone. Can I also say, I didn't know that the, the Witwicky last name went back to the, the early thing. I thought it was just something for the Shia LaBeouf character in the movie. I was, I had never heard Witwicky before. And it's like all throughout comics yeah. <laughs> and I don't even remember them saying it in the, in the cartoon, but all right. Anyway, just, yeah. I was just like, what? <laughs> this wit wiki name. It's, it's they, classic. They did, they did their research for that first movie. Yeah, they really did. When the comics started, there wasn't much of an origin only mentioned that Optimus was the one that came to inspire the ragtag Autobots in their darkest hour and give them purpose. It wasn't until issue 48 of the series where we learned of a young Optimus. On Cybertron, Optimus is trying to use something called the Underbase to end the war. Decepticons attack, and Optimus sends the Underbase into space. The UK Marvel Comics gave us some more info. Optimus was a gladiator from Iacon, a true athlete, and when the war starts, is made Supreme Commander of the Autobot Armies. In the early 2000s, Dreamwave took over comics for Transformers, and we get a less fighty version of his origin. In the series The War Within, written by Simon Furman, Optimus Prime was originally a librarian named Optronics, which is funny because he later has another name that is different from that, but we'll get into that in a second. After Sentinel Prime was killed by Megatron, the Council of Ancients informed Optronics that the Matrix had chosen him to be the next Prime. The Matrix transformed Optronics into Optimus Prime. And there's a lot of weird like terms there. If, if you're new to Transformers and you're listening to this and like, what's a what's a matrix and what's a <laughs> what's an underbase? And like, look, I, I didn't know what some of that stuff was either. So but essentially, like, Carlos, what what is the matrix in, in Transformers lore? 
and why is it important? So the Matrix has, I mean, there's there's a <laughs> there's a there's a lot of things that it does, but the main mechanism that it sort of operates as is um, like a like a like a powerful uh, symbolic artifact that um, it. it it, 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 it can sort of uh, uh, not assign the leadership position, but kind of like bestow yeah. leadership to whoever the Matrix chooses. It, right? It's sort of like um, a, a Mjolnir of, of the Autobots, right? Like it's it's right. not, not anyone can grab it and open it up and become the leader. Exactly. But unlike Mjolnir, which is, uh, you know, something uh, uh, that is actively used as a yeah. weapon, the, the the Matrix is kind of like, uh, at least for Optimus and maybe the, the famous example that a lot of people might be familiar with from the 86 movie, um, you Hot, know, Rod, Hot Rod, Rod um, it, it tends to go into like a cavity in the chest and and uh, sort of like stay there. So again, it kind of has like a, a more symbolic nature than necessarily like something that's used as a, as a tool or a weapon. Yeah. Uh, by the and whenever you put it in, you hear "You got the touch." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Whenever anybody puts it in their chest, you, you just hear that song. <laughs> got the MP3 loaded in. So the original IDW changed th- some things a bit, and and uh, Optimus Prime was known as Orion Pax. It featured Orion first witnessing a medical bot being bullied and beaten when he came online. Uh, this first caused Orion to dedicate his life to fighting for justice and serving those unable to protect themselves. So he became a cop, transformer police officer, to be exact. He graduated with honors from academic institutions and quickly rose through the police force in the capital city of Rhodium. A miner named Megatron had been arrested for writing how the Senate was corrupted and how it could be peacefully fixed. Orion Pax was intrigued and did some investigative work to prove his innocence released Megatron and told him to continue writing. It's hmm, pretty nice. So one of Orion's officers, Whirl, had beat Megatron while in captivity. So Orion had him arrested. Senate thugs came in to demand Whirl's release. They were like, hey, you should let this guy go. He's, he didn't do anything wrong. And then uh, when Orion wasn't there, uh, they murdered the other officers that were at the police station, I think. And, um, uh, the, they murdered the other officers of, of Orion and freed Whirl and just like helped him escape. Orion went on to the Senate and denounced the Senate, reclaiming the title of Autobot, formerly meaning uh, formerly meaning automaton, but now standing for autonomous. He was like, you guys aren't doing your job. This is this is you guys are corrupt. And Megatron was right. And, you know, so and so. So Orion and Megatron teamed up to over overthrow the Senate but Megatron betrayed him. Big shocker. <laughs> Shooting him in the back and leaving him for dead. The Matrix of Leadership reached out to Optimus kind of in his dream state, and it turned him into the first true prime in ages. This has a lot of like, like a Roman Senate kind of, when, when they start talking about like, you know, the Senate was corrupt and he stabbed him in the or he shot him in the back and everything. It kind of reminds me of like Caesar and Brutus and, and just, you know, like all this stuff. I was like, wow, this this is intense. Like mm-hmm. it gets into all this stuff. So that that was the original IDW um, kind of origin for him is, is he was uh, he kind of went through that that process. But uh, but the police stuff we'll talk about a little bit later in one of the runs. Uh, in 2019, IDW rebooted the continuity, but kept many previous origin points kind of similar. 
Uh, Orion Pax was a librarian training under Codexa. He was uh, good friends with a miner named Megatron. So in this one, they're actually friends. And they both helped rebuild Iacon after a recent war. Their friendship strained, however, and over time, they both became senators. Orion for the Autobots and Megatron for the Ascenticons, maybe? Um, uh, Megatron plotted to overthrow the Autobots and start a new age of Imperial rule, which he would be in charge of on Cybertron. Well, Orion couldn't let this stand, and eventually he became Optimus Prime. So a lot of different things like... The, originally, I thought it was interesting that he was a gladiator, but then they kind of changed it to the librarian thing. And then the, the librarian thing uh, seemed to stick. I know in the cartoon, they, they had an episode where he was a dock worker <laughs> that like that really thought Megatron was cool. But but those those things about like Megatron was already Megatron and or originally he was Megatronus and he was always a gladiator. Uh, but then I thought it was interesting, like in the one retelling that Megatron was a writer. He was basically just like a propaganda writer, kind of like, you know, other dictators from history. And, and uh, that, that was fascinating. Like that these guys came up to military command from being like a writer and a, a librarian. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So uh, we're going to talk about the comics. So um, Optimus prime, uh, other aliases for Optimus include obviously uh, sometimes just called Optimus or prime, uh, originally Orion Pax. We mentioned Optronics. Uh, in Japan, he was called ba- Battle Convoy and later Star Convoy. And I learned that he was not in Beast Wars, but that was in fact a descendant of his named Optimus Primal. It was two different characters. So I learned something new. Uh, his abilities include transforming typically into some form of semi-truck, either with an extended cab or without. But he's also in the past been a fire truck, a race car, and a T-Rex. Uh, <laughs> he has the ability to produce an energy axe from his hand. Um, he has a trailer that sometimes turns into a mobile station or in later version, even bonds with him to make him a bigger and stronger robot and sometimes gives him the ability to fly. Uh, he's been a headmaster, a pretender, a combiner, a power master and an action master. And if you know what all those are, you get a gold star. Uh, he is almost always recognizable by the red and blue color scheme the faceplate over his mouth and the cab window pecs and very strong grill abs. Abs. <laughs> abs. Uh, he's the, his job is the leader of the Autobots, but formerly on Cyberdrome, we mentioned he's been depicted as a dock worker, a data clerk, a librarian, and a police officer. Affiliations obviously in, include um, the Autobots and supporting characters include uh, such characters like Alita One, which is sort of a romantic interest that he had when he was Orion Pax. And High Q, which is a nebulous scientist and eventually became his partner uh, as a power master. Uh, also, uh, the human Buster Witwicky, which we've also mentioned, and um, Sparkplug Witwicky. I don't know why these guys have such, like, his name is just like, you know, Jack, but we're going to call him Sparkplug. Uh, and then, of course, countless, countless uh, Autobots, Bumblebee, Ratchet, Jazz, Grimlock, Ultra Magnus, RC, Cup, Prowl to name a few major antagonists include of course megatron the the arch nemesis most decepticons galvatron shockwave soundwave starscream nemesis prime his sort of evil clone and the eater of planets unicron you mean galactus yeah <laughs> 
no, no, Galactus was not voiced by Orson Welles. It's very yeah. different. <laughs> I think I think Unicron <laughs> might win in the battle of uh, Unicron versus Galactus. That just needs to be a crossover comic now. Uh, it, it could happen. Believe me, we 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 tried. <laughs> nice. Let's hear let's hear that story. <laughs> Uh, no, no, okay. no <laughs> but, but we just the know fact there that you tried that—that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> so ha, uh, there was a lot that went into this this amazing character, and to find out more uh, and about his uh, some of his creators, we're gonna go. All right, Autobots, Into prepare yourselves, because I'm about to roll out a mech-sized helping. Ah, uh, see what you did there. Yeah, right? Helping of dirty knowledge. Uh, it will most likely not be a shock to anyone that Transformers did not start out as a comic. They didn't even start as a TV show. Optimus Prime and the Transformers' true origin is, of course, the massively popular toy line. What may be a surprise is how Transformers was in fact the rebranding of two separate toy lines by Takara, a Japanese toy manufacturer. The toy lines Microman from 1974 and Diaclone 1980 were licensed, merged, and rebranded by Hasbro in 1983. This included Hasbro execs visiting the Tokyo Toy Show to buy out the rights and molds to the entire Diaclone line. Diaclone was created by former executive vice president of Takara, Nobuyuki Okude, with the toy line designed by Shoji Kawamori. And again, massive apologies for butchering any of these names in all of these episodes. I'm sorry. I can't talk. You did well. Okay, I'll I'll take it. Thank you. You may know Shoji as the creator of the mecha anime series Macross, known as Robotech in North America. Oh, nice. In the original Diaclone toy line, Optimus Prime was marked as Battle Convoy, which we had mentioned earlier. Funny enough, Convoy is the name for Optimus in the Japanese Transformers series, as well as Convoy being the max rank of an Autobot in the Japanese series and is equivalent to the American rank of Prime. With a fantastic product sale, you need great advertising, which is what led to the development of the Transformers comic series by Marvel. Comic book legends Jim Shooter and Dennis Denny O'Neill were hired by Hasbro to develop a backstory for the toy line. It was Denny O'Neill himself who would create the name Optimus Prime. You can learn more about Denny O'Neill's incredible career in comics by listening to our issue on Talia Al Ghul, but let's take a minute to discuss Jim Shooter. All right. Well, Jim Shooter read a lot of comics as a child, but would rekindle his passion in 1963 at 12 years old after reading some comics in the hospital following surgery. At only 13, he would write and draw stories featuring the Legion of Superheroes and submit them to DC Comics. Now, this submission was in mid-1965. On February 10th, 1966, Shooter received a call from DC editor Mort Weisinger asking to purchase Shooter's stories and commission him to write stories for Supergirl and Superman. Are you kidding me? (laughs) <laughs> no, listen, uh, Weisinger would later offer Shooter a regular position on Legion and requested the young comic prodigy to visit New York and spend a few days in the D.C. office. Being only 14 years old at the time and living in Pittsburgh, he had to wait until school was on break. Shooter reflected on this time as one of necessity to work as his father was earning very little as a steel worker and they were in fear of losing their house. 
With the first check, Jim bought a rebuilt engine for his father's car and would continue to work on comics throughout his high school in order to, quote, keep my family alive. Wow. Uh, during this time, Shooter would create the characters of Karate Kid, no relation, Pharaoh Lad, Princess Projectora, Sun Eater, and the Fatal Five, as well as devising the first race between Flash and Superman alongside Kurt Swing. Flash forward to a few years, and Shooter would land himself as Marvel's ninth editor-in-chief. With Stan Lee relocated to L.A. to oversee Marvel's animation and film projects, Shooter was the main name in Marvel's creative decision-making. His time as editor would oversee iconic runs, including Chris Claremont and John Byrne's run on The Uncanny X-Men, Byrne's run on Fantastic Four, Frank Miller's Daredevil, Walt Simonson's crafting of Norse mythology with the Marvel Universe and Thor, and Roger Stern's run on both The Avengers and The Amazing Spider-Man. He would co-create the characters Titania and the Beyonder during this company-wide crossover creation of Secret Wars, one of our favorite runs of all time, which he wrote. Not all was running smoothly, however, as Shooter would have conflicts with many creators, resulting in many leaving for DC and other publishers like Marv Wolfman, Gene Cullen, and John Byrne, among others. Ouch. Not, yeah. not the greatest of times, but like what a what a roster. Yeah, and, and it just shows like you can be a prodigy of of comics making as well. Like Can you imagine like creating like creating your comic ideas as a young teenager? You send it off like those hopes and dreams of working for the company. And then not even a year later, hearing back and then being like, hey, yeah, they were good. So we're going to buy those stories. And by the way, can you uh, write more? Yeah, I had a lot of good ideas for Ninja Turtles when I was 15, but I, I never sent them out. So I mm. kind of regret that. I, f- <laughs> I feel like at, at Well, let's let's ask Carlos out of curiosity. When you were at IDW, mm-hmm. did you ever get just submissions from like fans just wanting to work in the industry? And <laughs> yes, I'm assuming that's a yes. Did. Oh, did we? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the the the, the issue with sort of uh, stories like Jim Shooter's is uh, he uh, uh, that, that that story sort of gives a lot of people hope. Oh, yeah. And that is just <laughs> yeah. not how the comic book business it's works. It's a weird precedent. When you work, especially when you work with licensed material. Yeah, at least in the Marvel case, like they own the material right. so they can kind of make the decision of like, yeah, I don't know, give them a few dollars and we'll publish it. Right. But again, this was also a long time ago. Um, and just not how things operated. So we were under specific sort of, it, it wasn't like a, a, we we were we were forced to do this, but it was general policy that anything that came in uh, just unsolicited was uh, for the most part not really to be considered. Mm-hmm. If it was a if it was a creator or a person that you you knew, e- even if the level is something like they work in web comics, so it's not even like they're already in the comic book business. Yeah aspect of it but you could recognize of like oh this person has like a long-running webcomic they're not a completely random person from who knows where right like that that might change the equation slightly but i do mean slightly so we would get um we would definitely get a lot of things sent over to us that for 
I would say 99.9% of the time were not being read. And the few times that they were being read, uh, 99.9% of those times, it was definitely not anything that was publishable in any way, shape, or form. And then for the 0.1 of the 0.1% of times when, like, maybe you would go like, oh, well, okay, um, you we pretty much would do nothing with it because <laughs> there's the there's the unfortunate precedent of sort of people um sort of sending ideas over uh nothing happening with them and then say a creator or a company might put out something that bared even like a very oh, slight yeah. resemblance yeah. to an idea in the submission <laughs> hey, I thought that, and all I, of a sudden I sent that message to uh, you about six months ago <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly all of a sudden like people could could uh uh try try oh and make sort of court cases or or just try and make uh, uh a, a general uh stink about it um in a way that that definitely definitely a company like idw or hasbro n- neither wanted to to sort of deal with any of that so again like imagine. chances were infinite infinitesimal that it was even being read and in most most times when it was being read again if we're just talking about a completely random kid from you know a city in idaho or something (laughs) it it, it just it just wasn't gonna make it uh much you hear that dale from random twin falls (laughs) idaho don't don't kill dale's dreams (laughs) yeah dale i hate to crush dreams like this. they didn't even read it. it work just no, go but, to a convention and get some uh, get some portfolio review. That's just the uh, thing okay. now. It's just because creators, like, I, this happens all the time on Twitter, too, is people will message creators or they'll openly tag them and they'll just be like, I have this great idea for this. And the creators have to come back or sometimes they have to block and, and other times they're just like, I can't read this. Like, my company, like, I can't. I legally cannot read what you are saying here. Please don't make me block you. Uh, yeah. Like right. that happens all the time. So just curious if that was the same thing going on over at IDW. Not surprised. Nice. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. So following Shooter and O'Neill's contribution, Marvel writer, penciler, and editor Bob Budiansky would create the majority of the Transformers characters, giving them personalities and naming many of the nameless Diaclones. Uh, one creation in particular holds significance in Optimus Prime's arch nemesis Megatron. The Transformers issue one would go on sale in May 1984, despite the cover month being listed as September. <laughs> That's interesting. The issue contributors include plotter Bill Mantlo, script by Ralph Macchio, again, no relation, and penciler Frank Springer. <laughs> the animated series would quickly follow with an air date of September 17th, 1984, produced by Sunbow Productions and Marvel Productions. Now, you would think that the series would follow the backstories mapped out by the comics, right? You'd be wrong. Uh, The series is almost completely different from the comic. But hey, you know, it's show business. And we should say that the Marvel comic series also kind of had its own trajectory. And then the UK Marvel comics also had their own trajectory. And the the writer that we mentioned a a little while ago, Simon Simon Furman. Furman, thank you. So Simon Furman, who wrote for the British comics went on to be a, a contributor with a lot of the um, Dreamwave and I think IDW stuff too, right? Oh, yes, yes. And Simon Furman is definitely, um, you can definitely credit Shooter, Denny O'Neill, Bob Budiansky, and then the rest of the creative team in the initial US Marvel stuff with sort of uh, bringing life to this material. But a lot of people in the Transformers fandom who are specifically. Um, 
uh, sort of brought in from the comic mm-hmm. book from like the 80s, 90s. Uh, the majority of them were brought in by uh, Simon Furman's storytelling, yeah. which wasn't it, it, it wasn't that it was necessarily like um, uh, like a, a game changer or something, but he really like delved into very different storylines and sci-fi concepts than the direction that a lot of the US material yeah. went. Um, and sort of the, the UK comic and those UK storylines um, end up in very different places than some of the US stuff in very interesting ways. Um, and he still has uh, a large following in the fandom and again continues to write transformers material to this day that's that's awesome yeah i just imagine that in my mind i imagine that the the marvel uk transformers like having a having all british accents and they're all like we have to stop the decepticons i will i will say uh fun tidbit uh when when i worked uh, uh, at, at IDW, one of the writers that we worked with um, on a couple of ongoings uh, was James, Ro- James Roberts, and he he is from the UK as well. Uh, very influenced by Simon Furman material, um, uh, and and he would write series such as uh, Transformers: More Than Meets the Eye and Transformers: Lost Light. And when his scripts would come in, uh, we aside from the regular editorial duties, I did also have to remove the U from several words like <laughs> color uh, or or favor. Um, d- defense is also oh, one yeah. that that surprised like you lose track of sometimes and it's like yes there's a c version of defense and there's an s version of defense right gotta gotta keep your eyes out for that one (laughs) aluminium yeah so so in some sense when the scripts came in there they were in fact british transformers (laughs) oi megatron (laughs) now now they're australian Uh, (laughs) you call that a knife and then it transforms (laughs) this is a knife Oh, I can transform into a beach coma. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's talk about our pull list. So we're going to talk about essential runs and issues over the years. Um, Carlos, as our guest, do you want to go first and talk about any of your favorite um, uh, storylines or or comics that feature Optimus Prime? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going to be very selfish and for the most part, talk about sure. that I've worked on. Uh, but I would say if people are trying to sort of get into the, uh, there's sort of like a very long running um, Transformers universe that existed at IDW uh, from about 2005 to 2018 or 2019. And then there was kind of like a rebooted version in 2019. And there's various like miniseries and different things, but there was one kind of main long running storyline that started in 20 in 2005 and sort of ran for many, many years. Uh, but it, it can be sort of a little bit intimidating to go all the way back to 2005 and start from there. I think a very good starting point is a series called All Hail Megatron which was made um, to sort of be very accessible to new readers um, with a very sort of like high level pitch to it, which is sort of like the, the Autobots are way on the back foot. The Decepticons seem to have won and it almost plays out like um, kind of like the 2014 Godzilla movie where it's sort of like a, a, a disaster movie combined with like a, a, a sci-fi story. Um, it, 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 it sort of uh, sets, sets up the stakes very well and it doesn't require too much information. Uh, information from the previous material so i feel like it's a strong uh starting point yeah. for for a lot of people that might be interested in getting into like sort of that version of it. i loved 
this one. It, it just it was so good. Like the art. So the art was done by Guido Giudi. Guido Guidi. Uh, Guidi. Okay. And then Shane McCarthy was the writer um, on most of the issues. And it just has that like uh, Gen 1 kind of like really cool look. The art was really easy to follow, which with some of these other like some of the other stuff that I read, like sometimes it was a little it, it was a little hard to follow. And we'll kind of talk about that. But but this one was like it just popped off the page and the colors were bright and like the, they, they looked like you know, the gen one transformers, but, but they were still massive and they still had like the little scuffs and battle damage and stuff like that. And, um, and, and just like the storyline was really fun to read. And I, I liked that they, there were moments where it took time to just have like silent sequences, you know, like at the big, I think it was like the end of the first issue. And you saw, um, I want to say maybe it was prowl or, or ratchet that was like, just walking through, the ruins of, of Cybertron and he's kind of going around and there's no dialogue and it goes on for like two or three pages. And eventually he gets to the last panel. And he looks in this tiny room where like Optimus is on the table and his like chest is open. And, and it was just like, Oh, that's so cool. Just like, it, it takes a lot not to use dialogue in, in a comic. And so for them to do that really effectively, like set a mood uh, was neat. And it's the, the cool thing about the storyline is, is it most of it, like the first, like, nine or so issues the autobots are kind of on their own like they're in cybertron and then the decepticons are like destroying new york <laughs> and they're all like just infighting with each other and optimus doesn't even show up till like issue eight <laughs> or nine and and uh eventually when they when they do start fighting each other you know they, they get to earth and they're fighting and everything it's 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 amazing it's a great matchup i mean devastator is fighting uh is it omega supreme, omega supreme yeah yeah, Devastator is fighting Omega Supreme. Of course, Prime's fighting Megatron, and like all this stuff happens. So, and then the thing that you mentioned earlier about Starscream happened in this, uh, where so Megatron, uh, you know, gets gets shot by this amazing weapon that Spike Witwicky uh, shoots him in the head, and just like takes him out uh, after almost like Prime might die, and uh, he he like sniper shots Megatron in the face or something. And Megatron's barely alive. And Starscream comes up and he picks up Megatron's body and Optimus is like, "Hey, this is your chance. You 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 can be the leader now. Don't don't you want to just take this?" And he's like, "You don't know. That's not how we do things as Decepticons." Like you I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, "We we can't just uh, uh, leadership in the Decepticons has to be taken." Uh, it, it can't just be like inherited or something like that. It, and I was like, Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Like he's wanted to take the leadership, but now that he had an opportunity to do it, he, he wasn't just going to take it because, you know, Megatron's sick, uh, which I thought was really cool. Like that there's this whole different dynamic about how leaders are, are, uh, chosen as, um, Autobots versus Decepticon. So yeah, I agree. That was, it was a really, really fun fun run yeah you you think of you think the decepticons is just being this like ruthless no rules no hold bar kind of group but in that moment it's just like no like we have a system we follow the system and what i liked about the series is there was also a lot of humor in it a lot of times <laughs> dark humor when they, they show up in this in the city and that like the humans are like whoa like look at those guys and there's like we've come here to share our technology and and like to advance your technology 
and then they turn to each other and laugh and then just start shooting people. <laughs> it's yeah. really vicious. Yeah. I like that uh, the, the character of Cup is uh, like chewing on a spark plug, kind of like a cigar, m- most of the issues. And then like there's a little and I was like, oh, that's funny. And, you know, he's like kind of and he's like this uh, kind of battle commander sarge kind of thing and then like towards the end he's he's sitting next to i think it's spark plug with wiki and he looks up and he's like what's with the cigar <laughs> cup is like what's a cigar <laughs> <laughs> he's just chewing on this fun, so i was like oh that's fun good fact about uh fun fact about uh cups uh cigar it, it has a proper name it is a cigar like oh. cyber uh wow yeah, exactly nice <laughs> and it actually has an incontinuity reason for why he has it which is um it's it's strange but if people are curious about it uh you either visit visit the the premier transformers uh fan wiki site tf wiki and dig it up there or uh see if you can dig up um some some old issues that involve cup where uh, that's elaborated nice. upon. it's a it's an interesting story <laughs> wow I, d- I didn't know the that's cigar amazing. had a backstory cigar oh in transformers everyone <laughs> everything accessories has like a deep lore yep all right lance uh what's your what's your pull so this is going to be strange. And this is the first time I've ever done a pull list. That's not a comic. <laughs> so sure. this is an actual novel. It's called Transformers Exodus. And it's written by Alex Irvine. And it came out in June of 2010. And the reason why I read comics, obviously, I like I love the art. I love the stories. But I struggle with reading in just general like i read very slow it's hard for me to retain information and but but this book was one of those stories that i just like gravitated towards just because i enjoyed transformers and it was easy to understand comprehend and to follow and i devoured it in probably like a couple days but the storyline uh centers around uh this is about the war for cybertron but it's about what led to the war as well so you have Optimus being referred to as Orion Pax. He's he's a librarian. He's working under a character called Alpha Trion, who is uh, one of the primes. But at that at this stage of Cybertron, the primes are considered to be like a myth. They mm-hmm. a lot of people don't believe they ever existed. And at the same time, you have Megatron, who's in these gladiatorial pits, which is basically like the bottom of the case system. And this whole planet is based off of this case system and people just can't rise above their rank. And so it's about uh, Optimus or I guess Orion and Megatron essentially become pen pals and they are discussing their ideals and, and, and uh, aspirations for what Cybertron could be. And for a long period of time, they agree on these things and they're trying to support one another. And then you get to see their divergence and you see how, they want to do it very differently. And so it, it leads to the actual battle for Cybertron or the war for Cybertron. And uh, it it's very well written, a lot of action, but it's a lot of uh, amazing backstory for both of those characters. It's a great read. That's awesome. I, I You're not alone in, in uh, struggling to read long novels because uh, some, that's always something I've struggled with as well. <laughs> Um, but more power to those of you who, who, who can speed read a lot of stuff. Yeah, that is a superpower. <laughs> yeah. My mom has that. She can like read a whole 
500 page novel in like a day. That'd be three months for me. (laughs) Um, So I'll go ahead and mention like for for completionists and people that just want to start, you can seek out the Generation One Transformers from Marvel uh, 1984 that that, that came out. I think it's just called Transformers, um, the Marvel years. I mean, you can get like reprints, the Transformers, Transformers. Um, various writers and artists, uh, notably Bill Mantlo, uh, Jim Selakrup artists, uh, Jose Delbo and Jeff Senior, among many others. Um, this is we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but this is, you know, it does kind of go off on a different path than the animated show. So if you want to have like more of those early, early style uh, adventures, but but uh, like like you saw in the cartoon, but uh, but you want to kind of see like what else could have happened, um, like in the second big storyline um shockwave who i think in the cartoon was never really came to earth like came to earth and he's he this flying gun that's coming around like floating over people and i was like whoa that's what's what's shockwave doing on earth like that's crazy um so just yeah it's it takes it in interesting directions and um you know uh different different humans um that you know there's this like spike uh witwicky is is blonde and he's different from like the human that was on the cartoon and and so uh just like kind of different style different uh different character um storyline so yeah the original transformers marvel series what i what one thing i want to say about that run was just how it just like in its period of time like they were clearly gearing towards just promoting the toy line and so it was just about getting something out there because the, the story is just all over the place. Like it, it's fun <laughs> yeah. to read. It is a, a lot of fun to read uh, a lot of text though. Tons. But it, like the story is, it's like they're, they're in space. The Autobots are trying to get like through this asteroid field and mm-hmm. the Decepticons come, they start fighting and Optimus is just like, well, I guess if we're going down, we're taking them with us. And he flies to <laughs> earth into a volcano and like destroys them all the volcano erupts four million years later uh, and essentially wakes up one of the robots that has lost memory of who the autobots and decepticons were and just starts fixing everyone and then you just now have these reanimated autobots and decepticons yeah and that's just where the story goes from there (laughs) Well, originally, I, a little tidbit I found out about the Marvel run is it, it was originally a four issue miniseries. And then it was so popular that it got extended. And, and we mentioned earlier, it ran for 80, 80 issues. And, and the last issue, it said um, issue 80 of a four issue miniseries. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and they were just like, ha <laughs> So I thought that was kind of fun. I think one useful thing about the Marvel series, in case if you have absolutely no idea what any Transformer is, mm. like yes, it can it can be a little all over the place. Yes, the dialogue and captions and thought balloons are very much of their time and can read like kind of clunky nowadays. But something that I found really useful is that 
uh, constantly in the dialogue, they will mention each other's names just oh, so yeah. you can associate yes. the proper Transformer yeah. with the proper name. So, you know, the names uh, are in bold and will say something. Yes. And then someone will say like, well, why do you say that? Prowl, don't you think that this, that, or that? I agree with Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a nice way of sort hey, of... Hey, where did uh, Cliffjumper uh, go, yeah. Optimus Prime? <laughs> it's just subtext. It's just like, please buy Bumblebee. <laughs> right, right. Thundercracker, why did you show up here? And oh, can I mention one more thing about the the All Hail Megatron? Is I loved the lettering in that because it it had mm. a sort of squared. You know, whenever the Transformers were talking, it was kind of like this more robotic looking thing. And with mm-hmm. the Marvel stuff and even some of the other IDW stuff, and it was it's just kind of like normal text, but like the the Megatron. All hell Megatron. It was it was it was so beautiful. It was just like the, the lettering was great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend the next one I'm going to recommend is um, Optimus Prime uh, Volume One, which was written by John Barber and art by Alex Milne Milne and uh, Kai Zama. Kai Zama is the main artist on that series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for the assist on that. Um, so this one, and maybe Carlos can give us some more insight with this one, but, uh, it's essentially like a Transformers lore meets a film noir detective story. And it mostly follows prime sort of as a prequel when he was a cop, uh, Orion Pax 4 million years ago, but also it jumps to present day kind of goes back and forth when prime is dealing with a lot of that, you know, self doubt and Autobot infighting. And he's trying to reach out to the, you know, president to say like, Hey, we need to, we need to annex the earth and we're, we want to protect you. And, and, and she's like, no. And, <laughs> and, um, and then, and then they have a little junkion problem towards the end, which I'll remember all those little shark transformers from the movies. There's like a bunch of them <laughs> that come <laughs> to attack her. Um, the, the art I will say is a little harder to follow in this one. Cause there's so much detail. Um, but it's it's like so much detail that it kind of like the, the background and the foregrounds are, are a little hard to follow sometimes. Um, but I did like there's a lot of cool stuff. Like I like the scenes where Soundwave and Prowl are like talking with Orion in a back alley and they're trying to figure out like who should take the fall. And, you know, for for it's like cop stuff and it's very, a lot of noir kind of scenes. Um, Orion also has a has a really interesting scene with Zeta Prime in the past and Zeta quotes a film um, that he watched uh, that and Optimus is like, is that birth of Cybertron? Which is, it's a propaganda film. And then he's like, um, and then Zeta asks, which is kind of like birth of a nation, you know? And, uh, and then Zeta asks prime if he believes in the matrix and prime is like, well, it's just a prop. And, and Zeta's like, I I had lights installed. (laughs) Uh, but it could be yours one day. And it, it's this whole thing where like the matrix at that point is not the matrix is not a, a real matrix because in that, that telling of the history um, there hasn't been uh, there hasn't been a real prime. It's more of just like here, this is the thing that says that you're you know in charge or whatever. But like later when Optimus does become, or when Orion Pax does become Optimus, he gets a real matrix of leadership. Um, but I like the little like nods to, you know, human pop culture, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a fun it's a different kind of storyline. It's a I like the the noir twist and uh, so, some of the character design 
you know, it is really interesting to see some of the some of the characters that don't get a lot of screen time, like, you know, especially with the cop sort of story that it, you get to see Optimus in a slightly different light um, making his way up the ranks. Yeah, the 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 thing about that storyline, um, it it might it, it might sort of put it in Optimus Prime two hundred one studies rather than Optimus Prime one hundred one studies because um it, it it's sort of in the middle of a bunch of Transformer events and simultaneously it also takes place right after a big crossover event that we did at IEW called Revolution and what that did is it essentially brought over a bunch of other Hasbro properties into the Transformers universe and made it into a big shared oh, yeah. universe. So part of the modern day storyline is sort of dealing with the human organization that came out of the fact that it's kind of like a half G.I. Joe, half previous yeah. human forces. We I was going to say, that's why comics. there was a mention of, the, I, I saw one line that was like, I let my daughter go in G.I. Joe. And I was like, what? <laughs> was like, kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so it's coming right off that um, big crossover event, um, but it sort of picks up from a storyline from the previous uh, Transformer series called uh, Transformers: Robots in Disguise, um, where Prime and his band had sort of come back to Earth, and a big development there is that essentially Cybertron has been rebooted. Um, it, it is now like a full functioning planet and the Transformers have, uh, uh, officially kind of like, um, created what ends up being like a council of worlds when a bunch of other Transformers that have been in exile kind of like come back in contact with Cybertron mm. and they decide like, okay, we'll, we'll sort of form like a big council of all the a, different a federation of planets, where, if you will. Uh, yes, if you will. <laughs> council um, of worlds. And, yeah. and part... Mm-hmm. And part of the storyline in the uh, in the Robots in Disguise series that was leading up to the big revolution event and then into Optimus Prime is sort of annexing Earth into it, which with Prime's thinking like makes it easier to protect. But obviously from the human side of things leads to a lot of friction and conflict when it's like, why is an alien telling us that we're part of like this coalition that we may or may not yeah. be interested <laughs> in being a part of, you know? So um again just because of that i wouldn't it's not that i would say it's a bad starting point but you might have to read a lot of comics if yeah. you're having questions as you're reading the straight paperback you might have to really check out tf wiki or pick up a few previous trade paperbacks to really get the full uh impact of sort of what's going on there yeah that that's kind of like a second level <laughs> second level mm-hmm. recommendation for sure uh what else do you got carlos uh, I, I would say, uh, another good one, um, it, it's actually just two issues rather than a full storyline. Um, but these take place in the series that came after, uh, All Hail Megatron was called The Transformers. It was mostly written by, uh, Mike Costa. Um, but there is, near the end of that run, there is a two-issue, uh, storyline, uh, called Chaos Theory, and this one was written by uh, James Roberts. It takes place in Transformers number 22 and number 23. 
And this one covers a lot of the backstory that you sort of talked about um, the IDW Optimus Prime having, where Orion Pax is part of a police department, where um, Megatron is a minor and gets taken into police custody and then gets beaten up by Whirl, which sort of like sets Megatron on a certain path. And then uh, Orion Pax's own interaction with the Whirl situation sort of sets him on his own path, mm-hmm. right? While in the present day, what's happening is that Megatron is... Uh, captive by the Autobots, but he willfully surrendered. So there's this big suspicion of like, is this some sort of trap? Like what's going on? And Optimus Prime is sort of trying to determine like, if we take Megatron to trial for his immense millions of year long crimes, you know, the, the, the sort of like the intergalactic judicial system will offer us a choice for the prosecution. Will we have him killed or imprisoned forever? You know, and it's sort of Optimus Prime trying to understand his relationship with Megatron, their long history while having these flashbacks. It has a lot of sort of interesting philosophical arguments in it between what the two characters represent and um, sort of like the two sides that they found themselves on. And it also kind of explores just the idea of like, you know, once you <laughs> once you in a sense have gotten Megatron, like what do you as Optimus Prime like do with that, mm-hmm. right? Like once that moment comes of of final confrontation, um, you know what 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 sort of becomes of that? It reminds me very much of maybe not an exact kind, but I think of it in in terms like this because you know he's he's my favorite superhero. But Batman Joker stories, there's plenty of them where they find themselves kind of at at loggerheads or in direct confrontation, yeah. and in a way, Batman has to question exactly what how it is that he sees the Joker and how it is that he thinks like he's gonna handle him whether in the specific situation or or just like in their long storied history like how has he interacted with them and how has that shaped his own life and kind of like uh shaped him as a hero um um and his psychology so uh i i I think it's a it's a it's a pretty interesting story um uh and it's it's kind of it can be read separate from the ongoing story that's happening in that series at the moment um and and people might uh want to check it out especially if you add in like this new twist of them knowing each other in the past that a couple of the the idw origins added like they were friends or you know optimus respected him and and it's almost like there's this you know, Anakin Obi-Wan, like, you were my brother. <laughs> like, there was a redemption arc that maybe Megatron will be better again or something. But uh, but yeah, it's, that, that's that's awesome. I mean, it, it. I love hearing about all this, like, deeper lore and backstory that that adds so much to, like, what what you know, on the surface was just, like, <laughs> lasers. Um, all right. Do, and Lance, do you have another one? Yeah, so we have. The last one here. So this was the Transformers Phase 2, also from IDW. And this is The Death of Optimus Prime. So this was written by James Roberts and John Barber. And the artist was, is it Nick Roach or Roche? Roach. Roach. Okay. And in this storyline, it's after the large battle between Autobots and Decepticons is over. The Autobots have seemingly won. They've returned to Cybertron. And they're kind of in a strange situation because all of these uh, Transformers had returned to Cybertron that had originally, they've they essentially defected. 
they didn't want to be a part of the war for Cybertron, so they just left. And though, like that group of individuals was refer- they're referred to as nails, so they're the non-aligned indigenous life forms. Hmm. And it, it's a really interesting story because it's it's about these Autobots that have returned to Cybertron, and you also have some of the Decepticons that are have been imprisoned on Cybertron now, and then there's this third group of the, these nails that want nothing to do with the war whatsoever. They and and they and they view the Autobots and and Decepticons as being a part of that like a continuing war, which they want literally nothing to do with. So th- this story is it's very different because it's more about like Optimus, even though it's the death of Optimus Prime, it it's more about him realizing that he he doesn't really fit in this world anymore. And it, it for the continuing growth of Cybertron, it, it might be better if he isn't a part of it. Hmm. And and so there's this there's all these like thought processes processes that he has to go through and and like internal turmoil and interesting conversations with with both Autobots and Decepticons and and uh, it's definitely something that I think everyone should read just because it's it's not your normal Transformers story. Carlos, you said you had some information actually from uh, James Roberts and John Barber for us. Yeah, so I, I went ahead and reached out to uh, both of them. Um, uh, obviously, I had a long time working relationship with both of them. I directly edited uh, John Barber probably the most out of just about any writer that I worked with. Um, and then I worked with James on several stories, including this one. And I sort of asked them, because like this story is so much about like what makes Optimus Prime, I sort of wanted to dig into their thought process of like, how do you approach a character like this? Um, especially when there's so many versions, you know, that exist. So there's so many different takes and it's not like all of them are radically different from each other, but you do really have leeway as far as like sort of how you want to write this character because there's so much media and comics and, and uh, to some extent movies um, where, where uh, you, you sort of see like different facets of them. So um, I'll, I'll start, I'll start with James. Um, I asked them sort of like what, what facets of the character stick out the most from your time writing Transformers. Um, and he responded going, I know it's become somewhat fashionable for Prime to be an anguished, tortured figure, sort of racked with self-doubt, burdened by responsibility, but I've always warmed more to the paternalistic, super capable Optimus Prime, the wise and above all compassionate character who served as a father figure to his troops. I'm dredging up old memories now. Uh, but as a kid coming to Transformers in the 80s, it was Prime's kindness and perhaps counterintuitively, given the franchise and his role within it, gentleness that stood out. He was an intensely moral character and he didn't seem like your archetypal action hero. There was something reassuring about him. Um, and and that that when James sent me that, that very much reminded me of uh, Peter Cullen talks about in interviews how he based his voice performance on his own brother, Larry Cullen. Um, and how uh, part of the conversation they had before he tried out for the voice, he, uh, his brother told him, like, make him a real hero. Make him strong mm-hmm. enough to be gentle. Yep. And that's sort of like something that stuck very much with Peter Cullen's performance and very much comes through in sort of like how he, even, even when he's goofy and even when he's being sometimes like 
angry or violent, you know, but he always comes back to this sort of mean of, of being a character who, as James says, is kind of like moral, just deep down inside in his leadership and in his approach to dealing with both like friends and enemies. Um, then uh, John Barber also uh, got back to me. And um, we talked a little bit about sort of his different approach for Optimus. And he probably wrote Optimus way more than James, which is not to say one version is like more valid than another. But um, it's, it's, it's uh, I definitely had a lot of exposure to how John was thinking of Optimus on a, on a weekly basis, you know, since I was working with him so directly. Um, but, but it's always at this point, you know, I left IDW back in 2017. So, you know, memory of all that is pretty fuzzy and rusty. It's always good to kind of get a reminder of how he decided to like dig into yeah. his character. Um, and he talks about how when he first pitched him, which was years before he was actually working on series like Robots in Disguise and Optimus Prime and things like that. Um, but he came in um, through some of the movie-related tie-ins that we were doing, like prequels and and different books that were tied into the Michael Bay series, mm -hmm. rather than like the direct um, um, Transformers IDW continuity that we were working on. And he said at that point when, when he <laughs> sort of did his perch pitch for a limited series, he, he had just finished watching Patton um uh, starring the great george yeah. scott and kind of like had had his take from that version of him but he didn't feel like it worked very much um and when he came back to the character later um he says uh one thing was as much as i love peter cohen's voice and as iconic as it is um and as much as it's truly the voice you hear in your head when you're writing his dialogue at some point i started thinking of optimus sounding uh, like Avery Brooks, who plays Captain Sisko in Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah. And that gave me like a very different window into the character, that he didn't have to be paternal, who's always right the way the cartoon one operates at some subconscious level. So it's interesting to see how sort of John's take um, leaned into the, 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 the complications um, and, and, and sort of took him in like a certain direction. Whereas James, while not doing something wholly different was approaching it in sort of like and seeing it in a different way um so uh, definitely when you're both writing one comic book about the same character that obviously you you have to find like some uh some middle point and i think they did i think it, it, their voice for optimus the way they share it in that story works very well um but in other instances where you see sort of like uh james's approach to optimus in a lot of his backstory because that's sort of where optimus would pop up in james's stories and then when you would see a lot of like the present day optimus that john barber would write you you kind of see like some facets of, of how they decided to approach them um that you got here from what they wrote me that's awesome yeah that's amazing thanks thank you so much for reaching out to them too oh sure I mean, they, they, they owe me their life. Ah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're <laughs> Hey, Lance, you know, the best way to support us is leaving a rating and review. A five-star rating goes a long way on Apple Podcasts and other podcast services. And a review about what you liked in the issue does so much more. We hope you enjoy 
the show as much as we love making it. And if you want to check us out on Twitter at CBKCast, use the hashtag CBKCast with your what if ideas or any questions or comments about anything we discuss in the show. We're also on Instagram at CBKCast. We're on Facebook now and you can join our Facebook group and Facebook page and ask any questions that you want there or talk about what uh, you'd like us to talk about uh, in the future. Comic Book Keepers is hosted by the Geekly Grind. Stop by the Geekly Grind for all things geeky from comics, anime and manga to board games, video games, RPGs and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. And don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song, Arcane Anthems. Our good friend Weston makes royalty-free music for tabletop role-playing games, campaigns, streams, and podcasts. Check out his amazing work at Arcane Anthems on TikTok, Twitter, and you can actually get all of his available music for free on his Patreon, at Arcane Anthems. All right, let's get back to the issue. So welcome back. Uh, we're going to talk about our grail finds and uh, we're going to let uh, Lance, do you want to go first on this? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much, many like comic memorabilia or things for Transformers, but what I do have, uh, I got lucky and I was just in another, I, I think I've mentioned this shop multiple times in our episodes because I keep finding cool stuff there, uh, but it's a used bookstore. And I went in and I found a hardcover for the IDW crossover over event called Infestation, which was essentially like a zombie type storyline where there was a character that was running through each of the different properties within IDW. So I think within that one, it it went through like G.I. Joe, Transformers, Ghostbusters. I think there was one more in the first one. Uh and then in the second volume, they uh, cross over with TMNT as well. But uh, I found that nice. hardcover and it was it was like 10 bucks or something. And I was like, oh, hardcover. I'll pick that up all day for 10 bucks because it looked super cool. Uh, and then I look online and I find out that it was a really low print run for the hardcover and it was like 50 bucks. So that was a, that was a fun find for me. Um, I don't. I don't have any Transformers comics, I'll just be honest. Um, but what I do have, because I've been a big fan ever since growing up as a kid, you know, of the series. And my first Transformer was a Transformer named Smokescreen. Um, it was one of the Autobots. And uh, my second, I think my second one was was Optimus Prime. Um, so I still have my very first Optimus Prime Transformer. This is him. Nice. Is that a Gen One or no? Gen One. Still has the still has the little hands that live in his cab. You can hear him rattle around, and you can hear you can hear how creaky this guy is. Yeah, bringing bringing that ASMR component. He's super creaky. Yeah, Um, but he's uh, I carry him with with me wherever I go. I still have the trailer and everything, and. Uh, my son was like, "Ooh, can I have that? I was like, no, that is my toy. <laughs> like, uh, so he's seven and he's like, he has, I think, like three different, you know, Optimus Prime toys in various kid friendly versions. But that that one's mine. So I'm, I'm just yeah, I, I've been a big 
big Optimus Prime and Transformers fan since the original series. So um, I still have, that's my grail find is just the first Gen 1 toy. Nice. Carlos, do you have any issues or things Optimus related that you're kind of proud of? Oh, I have so many issues (laughs) in a room in a closet back at home. You know, it's uh, I I really should get around to just tossing them all in the garbage. No, give them to me. I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I probably I probably should put them up on eBay uh, uh, instead. But um, yeah, I, I think my grail find is, you know, obviously uh, I had plenty of Transformers toys growing up. Uh, I did not own the original Optimus, but uh, my uh, my uncle did. Um, so I do remember playing with him um, back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I remember one of my favorite toys growing up was the Generation 2 Megatron turns into a big green tank. Nice. Um, he was awesome. He was a great sort of villain when it came to playtime um for for the rest of my toys um but but uh and this one is toy related probably the the most holy grail thing that i was able to obtain was um at comic-con 2017 in honor of the crossover event that we were doing um at idw uh called revolution or i think the event had already happened um and this was like a little later um, but, uh, Hasbro put out one of their uh, Comic-Con exclusive toy sets, um, uh, that was essentially, uh, one character from like each of the different series that were included, uh, there. I think the one representing Transformers was Jetfire, which had the Micronauts, you had Action Man, yeah. um, you had a G.I. Joe character. So like one of each sort of property together um in in one big box set and uh you know uh having those those sweet sweet hasbro connections i managed to snag myself a ticket that uh moves you to the front of the line at the hasbro booth because there was no way i was going to stand there for hours (laughs) waiting to purchase this toy uh and i was able to snag myself one of these collections so uh it's it's in the garage it's still unopened um probably at some future date i'll I'll stop caring about its actual like ebay value and just go ahead and open it and litter my desk with these toys <laughs> but um that's that's probably my my uh best uh find uh, i think I you just gave some collectors a heart attack by saying you were going to open <laughs> your con exclusive <laughs> no 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 no, no. sorry nerds. <laughs> there's like i can't oh, listen okay. to this podcast anymore i'm done <laughs> yeah right now we're going to get into adaptations and uh, Lance and I were looking at this earlier and th- there's just a lot. There's way too many to mention. We're not going to go over the whole list. Look at TF wiki. If you want to see the entire list of all the series, both American and Japanese uh, of, of comics and animated series alone, not to mention the movies. Um, so we're going to just mention like kind of like key ones that we think might be good, just notable. And and since it's it's Optimus Prime, he's obviously in most of them. Uh, I would say close to all of them, but but not all of them, but most of them. Um, so let's start with just the original, the, the, the tried and true, the original uh, 1980s Transformers generation one um series which ran for three seasons and where we mentioned that uh peter cullen 
No. Yeah. Peter Cullen was the voice of Optimus Prime. And I didn't realize there was a, a planned fourth season, but then they scrapped it. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, but then they made a movie. Um, and we'll talk about the animated movie in a minute. But what what uh, you guys have both seen the, the original. I'm older than both of you, but have you seen the original animated show? Lance is shaking his head. No, I've seen clips, but I'm a 90s kid. So sure. I, You're a 90s kid. Yeah, I was born in 90. So, OK, so we'll come back to you in a minute. <laughs> Carlos, did you have you seen it? Yeah, I remember watching more than several of them, but I was fairly young when I was watching them. I think the only one that sticks out in my mind is uh, the the episode that introduces the Dinobots. Oh, sure. Because dinosaurs are super cool yeah. when you're that young. Yeah. And also because uh, someone like Grimlock was very easy to understand for a young child yeah. <laughs> such as me at that time. Me, Grimlock. Grimlock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that one sticks out as being particularly, I don't know if it holds up. Definitely, definitely don't take my word for that. But um, that was a fun, like 20 ish minutes. Uh, when I was so I, this was a show that I would. This came out when I was um, like seven or eight and and or no, maybe I was six. Anyway, I was around that age and I would come home from school and I would, you know, get my glass of milk or whatever snack I had and I would sit down and I'd watch Transformers and I'd watch G.I. Joe. <laughs> this is before the Disney afternoon. This was like I would watch those two shows, uh, the Hasbro afternoon <laughs> and and, um, you know, every day it was a half an hour and I was like, yes, um, I recently because my my son uh, was kind of getting into Transformers and he was we'd watch Rescue Bots, which is on Netflix and and uh, I was like, hey, we should watch the original Transformers. And and we had it, we have it on uh, DVD and we watched like the first season and it's like rewatching it after 30 years. Um, it, it kind of some of it holds up. Um, it's not as bad as like some things when you watch you're like, Ugh. but uh, but what's 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 surprising to me is how dark it kind of gets at points and how like um adultly sort of um over dramatic it is <laughs> like so many times like so many times when starscream is like i'm gonna take over <laughs> the decepticons and you're not a fit leader and then megatron just shoots him <laughs> just and uh and how many times like early on in the first season they're like you know optimus is screaming in the air like megatron <laughs> And uh, it, it's all these lines are just the most dramatic readings of lines like you'll never take the people of this planet. And, um, it's yeah, it, it's it's just fun. But, it, you know, it, I think uh, I, I remember watching that with 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 a lot of fondness. And so, OK, so we have the first generation Transformers. Um, let, let's just kind of in, in continuity sake. The movie came out. They they announced that they were making a a full length animated movie. So you have like this, you know, all the Transformers couple of seasons, and then they're making a movie which sort of directly follows that. It's tied in. It's the same voices, same characters. Great, awesome. I want to go see that. I went to see it in the theaters. Uh, see the movie, and it's got a couple of names, you know, that I didn't know who they were, but Orson Welles. Uh, Judd Nelson is Hot Rod. Um, uh, Orson Welles is Unicron. Um, 
I want to say Leonard Nimoy is Galvatron. Uh, yes, yeah. that is correct. Um, and and uh, and Eric Idle plays Rekgar, <laughs> which and that was before I started watching Monty Python. But like watching it back, I was like, oh, that's Eric Idle. <laughs> um, so Monty Python fans. Um, so but the big thing in this is obviously like early on, there's this huge battle between Autobots and Decepticons. And uh, and it's, uh, you know, when you're watching the cartoon on TV, there's a lot of lasers and they get hit and they don't ever get hurt. Whenever there's a, a full length movie of G.I. Joe or Transformers, they that people be dead like they people <laughs> are being shot one time and they're just and like they just like characters that you love are like, oh, no, <laughs> these little kids in the audience are just like, what, what, what's happening? All these characters dying. So Optimus Prime is brutally shot by Megatron. Uh, but also Megatron is pretty messed up too. So basically both of them die and, and there's this very dramatic scene where prime dies and he's surrounded by all these Autobots and turns gray, which is really weird and, and, and sad (laughs) and creepy. And, uh, and he's like, what telling ultra Magnus, like one Autobot will rise up. And this is my best Optimus prime impression. One Autobot will rise up and, and, lead the Autobots in their moment of darkness. And, and, uh, and then he dies. And so most of the movie is like all of these kind of ragtag new transformers, um, kind of figuring out like, you know, through a series of events, like who's going to take over and they think it's ultra Magnus, but no, it's hot rod and, and hot rod becomes Rodimus prime. And no one really likes Rodimus prime. So back in the uh, cartoons, (laughs) they continue, uh, Optimus Prime comes back first as a zombie Optimus Prime, which fans did not like. And then Optimus Prime is rebuilt and he comes back and then he reassumes leadership because there was a lot of fan outcry after the movie of, hey, we we like Optimus Prime. Don't kill him. Like little kids wrote to Hasbro and they were like, please don't do this. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And since then, Optimus has been in like almost every iteration of, of Transformers. Um, Transformers Generation 2, 90s kid. Uh, what, yes. what do you remember about that? Uh, Beast Wars. Beast Wars. Okay. Beast Wars. <laughs> Beast Wars. Now, we mentioned that Optimus Prime was not really in Beast Wars. He makes a cameo in like one or two episodes. but Yeah, so he's he's there at some point. Uh, but yep. you have Optimus Primal instead. Mm-hmm. But Who is a descendant I'll... of Optimus Yes. So I was obsessed with this show. Like, this was my Transformers show growing up. And I tried to rewatch it recently, and I should not have done that. So, uh, I'm just going to let it live in my memory (laughs) the way I recall it and not what it actually is now. Uh, I'm sure it's great if you're a child now to watch it. Amazing. Uh, If you're an adult, probably not the way to go. Uh, But just, like, it's Transformers, but they're animals. Come on. Like, Megatron's a T-Rex. Like, you don't get cooler than T-Rex Megatron. It's amazing. All right, let's move on to... Well, there was another one called Robots in Disguise. Uh, Then there was the Unicron trilogy, which includes Transformers Armada, Transformers Energon, and Transformers Cybertron. Uh, This kind of has, like, a redesign of some of the 
some of the uh, characters. And what's interesting about this is that it's like three different series, but it takes the same kind of characters. I think I didn't watch these, uh, but but uh, you know, kind of they they're linked through the storylines with each other. After that, um, there is a there is one that's called Transformers Animated, and this has a radical redesign of some of the characters. They're like really geometrical and streamlined. And, and you have, you know, your popular characters, Optimus Bumblebee. Um, it, it's it's much more like kid friendly. Um, I don't know how they would make a, a toy version of this. I think they did, but they were like they were really like. Optimus wasn't square. He was kind of like a trapezoid and, and just uh, look up Transformers animated. It is very animated. Um, it's, it's, it's more like cartoon network style. <laughs> um, then you have what's referred to as the aligned continuity, which is some stuff that's kind of, it's not really in the main storyline of, of Transformers, but it's sort of a, off but so there's a couple things in here the one the one i do want to mention because uh because i've watched it with my son was was transformers rescue bots um now prime is in this as a character who sort of mentors the rescue bots and this is a very kid friendly this the reason i want to mention this because if you have kids and they're like six five um, and you want a friendly show to introduce the concept of transformers uh, rescue bots is a great one it, it, it's there, there are no Decepticons. Um, it's all just like a series of Autobots. And it's it's a very small group. It's like four main Transformers. And they live with a, a human family. And they fix, like, they rescue people. They they have natural disasters that they, you know, fix and stuff like that. And occasionally, like, Bumblebee shows up and, and, and Optimus shows up. Um, it's like a mentor of, like, you must learn how to lead and, you know, stuff like that. So... Uh, I think that's that's a good one just to mention just for like kid friendly. And there's a follow up to that called Rescue Bots Academy, which is very similar. Uh, then you have uh, a couple of other in the Prime Wars trilogy, Combiner Wars, Titans Return, Power of the Primes, Transformers Cyberverse and the War for Cybertron trilogy. So then you have some cartoons where like they go back to Cybertron. Um, a lot of these Transformers cartoons are on Netflix uh, or you can you can find them online um and and optimus again you know he's in most of these series he be- becomes a little bit more grizzled in, in in some way but i think peter cullen didn't really voice uh optimus after after the main run i, I know he voiced it in in rescue bots but i'm not sure about the the other ones uh and again there's like so many uh, yeah you know, it's, it's too many to mention but there a lot of actors have have voiced optimus prime he actually, um, so he he voiced the original. He voiced him in the uh, eighty six movie, and then after the two thousand seven movie, he came back to a couple of the animated ones yeah. to voice him. So I believe it is his voice in the Rescue Bots one because he only shows up a couple times. Yeah. Um, but he also did the Optimus Prime voice in a couple of the TV shows after the two thousand seven movie for maybe like five or six years yeah i don't think he did all of them but um considering the amount yeah. of, of transformers <laughs> animated uh cartoons that have sort of like uh been released in the last like 15 to 20 years um he's 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 in a goodly chunk of them yeah and and we didn't even mention all the ones that were produced in japan there was a bunch of 
a bunch of you know japanese titles so um just just look up yeah <laughs> just look up uh tf wiki and you'll see all the series that are available um optimus prime showed up in five live action transformers movies starting with transformers uh where he was not necessarily the main character but he was the kind of primary focus of the transformers along with bumblebee and ironhide and Jazz. Um, jazz i think was in there yeah jazz. Uh, facing off against the evil uh, megatron who was dethawed by sector seven uh, and then you have characters such as sam witwicky played by shia labeouf and um, other various human characters that it focuses mainly on the humans and how they kind of interact with um with the transformers megan fox is in it as a megan fox like character and and uh some other other people are in that but um yeah what did you guys think of the the live action movies or uh, the... yeah i i actually really enjoyed the first one there's i, I re-watched it before recording this and surprisingly there's a, a lack of megatron he's only in the film for a very short amount of time which very is very little disappointing yeah. uh a lot of bumblebee but it's mostly him in like car form so that you could tell at that point they still didn't want to put like the crazy, crazy amount of money to be CGIing the giant robots the entire time. So that's mm-hmm. my big complaint about that franchise because they do heavily lean into the human component, uh, but that's to save money. But I I really liked their designs. I thought they looked they looked fun. I I really like Shia LaBeouf as an actor. Uh, not not a big fan of the sequels though, uh, except for when we got to see the Dinobots in the what was it called the last night fourth one no that was the fourth one whichever one we got to see the dinobots i was happy with <laughs> uh but aside from that i'm i'm good uh but yeah i enjoyed the first one so i like the first one as far as optimus is concerned and and everybody else every other character like it was weird that bumblebee didn't talk uh i i know i guess i understand why they did it to give him a kind of a different you know character motivation or whatever um, I think it was great that Peter Cullen came back to voice him, uh, sort of made that character, you know, work. Um, and it was it was an interesting interpretation, you know, of of the character. Uh, and, 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 you know, you can't really do an animated when you make it live action and you're talking about, like, we have to figure out how things would actually transform and pieces of metal would move around. And, and I think, you know, for what they did, they, they, you know, they're telling a fictional storyline with, with sci-fi and everything. They kind of made it work. And um, is it, is it foolproof? Is it, is it the best version of transformers? Uh, no, it's, it's, there's a lot of things that are bad. There's a lot of like little, you know, it does rely a lot on the humans. And I would have liked to have seen, a transformer storyline where it's 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 about the transformers and then you also have humans you know it's like where it focuses on them and then they have to work with the humans to do that not not like here are these humans and then they find the transformers um there, there was a lot of emphasis put on like what cars are they going to use and like you know it's only chevrolet cars and and just like it, that doesn't matter you know what do you think carlos well, uh, I 
I'll, I'll say the nicest thing I can say about the first Transformers <laughs> movie from the year 2007 is it's the least worst Michael Bay Transformers movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, that is and, true. And, and yeah, I'll, that's true. I'll, 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 I'll leave it at that. I agree with Chris that like having Peter Cullen come back and the kind of the characterization that we get from uh, Optimus is, is, is fairly solid in that first movie. Um, but also uh, uh, someone at some point, one of the robots at some point uh, pees on, oh God, who, yep. what's, what's the actor's name? Um, he, he plays uh, the Jesus in- Oh, like uh, John Turturro? Yes, it pees yeah. on John Turturro. I think which it's is Bumblebee. Like, yeah, it, like, yeah. opens up uh, as I, like- gas tank and just mm -hmm. <laughs> like which uh uh you know the, the movie had already lost me before that but that certainly yeah. cemented the fact that mm -hmm. it's like yeah i i'm gonna i'm gonna reserve my uh, uh my judgment and let let other people enjoy this yeah. but uh I, I will say that the more recent transformers movie that came out transformers Bumblebee, yes. um i found pretty satisfying and definitely there's about five to ten minutes in there that is basically flashbacks to what the war on Cybertron was like before Bumblebee arrives on Earth. Um, that is A, really well animated, and uh, B, um, just like a really good sort of uh, representation of the kind of original looking G1 style yeah. design yes. yeah. while still being more modern. So it made me want to watch that as a movie. Like yeah. Just the Cybertron. When, when, right. when I watched Bumblebee, I the opening sequence because they showed us that in the trailer and we got to see gen one optimus and i when i saw that i was like yes i want to watch the war for cybertron movie that's all i want that's mm -hmm. the movie mm -hmm. and then I, mm -hmm. and then bumblebee was it was a good film but you're right that it was that opening sequence on cybertron where i was just like this is this is transformers like this is amazing and was optimus in that yeah he was in the he was mm -hmm. yeah i i I never saw Bumblebee. <laughs> you should. You, you'd, you'd like it more than the yeah. Michael Bay ones. Yeah, for right. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the second yes. movie would just completely went off the rails. The third movie was was OK because there was some fighting and you actually had another prime that came in. Um, uh, the yeah, fourth movie, like you said, uh, so Sam Witwicky went away. But then you had Cade Yeager, which is a great Michael Bay hero name. Uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, come in. Man, all these all these humans are just you know no. we um, don't want the humans we don't we don't read or watch the, the transformers is, for it was humans. hard to keep track of when they were fighting it was just it was all this metal on screen yeah. and then it's, and then it's disaster porn that's what it is it's, it's so much stuff and they're all getting like ripped apart and michael bay is like hey i'm gonna take the camera and put it on a string on a crane and throw the camera so it goes around and so you can't really tell what's going on because the camera's moving around all the time and i'm just like who i who, what am i watching that star screen like that's the other thing is like none of the besides bumblebee and optimus none of the other characters are recognizable in some sort of transformers uh, uh design like megatron didn't look like megatron he looked like some weird like Nash teeth kind of thing. Starscream was a plane, but that that's about as close as they got. Um, I, I it wasn't until they actually had Soundwave or not Soundwave, Shockwave. Shockwave was in like the third one or fourth one or something like that. And fourth one, I think. yeah, and and it was like, oh, that's Shockwave. Like it was like, 
I, I recognize him. Like he looks like he has a little light in his face, you know? And, and it was like, but yeah, otherwise I was, I was just like, you're, you're not, you're not catering to your fan base guys. Like, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have the colors. You gotta have mm-hmm. like the right stuff. You gotta have. Uh, so what they need to do is take out all humans and spend $500 million making the transformers movie that we actually want to see. Yeah. And it would make, Ten hundred million dollars. <laughs> Ten hundred. You hear that? Ten hundred million dollars. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. And don't let Michael pay. Like, have somebody like Edgar Wright direct the Transformers. Like, make it funny and and make it action packed. Let's have a, let's a, a, a lot of whip pans. Let's have a Guy Ritchie Transformers film. Guy Guy Ritchie. Uh, have the guy <laughs> that did. A British. Have the guy uh-huh. that did uh, James Wan, who did Fast and the Furious direct transformers movie he wants to do a crossover you know that they're just gonna cross over with transformers they probably fast nine probably is a transformers crossover and if, we just don't if, know it yet if uh what's what's vin diesel's character dom. Uh, dom toretto jumps in a you know ford mustang and it and it's all of a sudden transforms into bumblebee i'm like i'm there for that <laughs> right Okay, anyway, let's move on. Uh, so we've talked about live action movies. We've talked about animated movies. Um, just really briefly, because because it is Transformers, um, there have been a, a zillion toys. There's been so many Optimus Prime toys. I've shown mine. Um, I, I want to know from you guys, what was your, what, if any, uh, you know, Transformers toys uh, was your favorite? You go first, Carlos. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, probably one of my favorite, uh, toys that I owned that happened to be a Transformer was the Generation 2 Megatron, who was this big green tank. Oh, nice. Instead of having the sort of arm blaster, he had an over-the-shoulder purple cannon, which was just the sort of tank's cannon converted into, um, like this shoulder shooter. Um, he was huge, intimidating, just a big bad robot uh he was great then i had a a a menagerie of beast wars uh characters (laughs) you know everyone from waspinator and optimus primal to um i i think this is a character that came by later but he was like a fire ant um that that had like sort of translucent uh, plastic going on with him that I thought was very cool looking, um, but also had so many different parts that were technically like removable or you could snap off. Oh that gosh! At some point, at some point, he just became an incomplete robot, but was perfect as kind of like okay. After the good guys attack the bad guys base with all my toys, now some of the bad guys are battle damaged, and it's like oh look at this guy. He's clearly he's been in a fight because they they, they really messed him up. <laughs> so it was perfect for that. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, and then, um, the original, uh, uh, set of Transformers toys, again, I didn't own a lot of them, uh, my, but my uncle did. So, you know, your, your, your Optus Prime, I believe he had a Prowl for sure. Uh, definitely a Shockwave. And did he have a Meg? He, he definitely had a Megatron, but I think at some point he got lost. So he didn't get played with. I never had Megatron. I, I did have, um. Uh, one of my favorites, I think, was the coolest. Was Jetfire? Was it the white plane? Yes. That that mm-hmm. that was like the coolest looking, like Transformer. Um, and 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 I think one of some of my favorites were like the ones that 
you know, that turned into like, it was like multiples that turned into a big one, like, like Devastator. And then the, the, um, right. the, the, the Autobots that were planes, uh, and then the uh, Decepticons that were cars, um, like military vehicles. Um, I had both of those sets and, uh, and I had all the Insecticons, um, and I had all of the Dinobots as well. I think I still have, um, swoop somewhere. <laughs> yes. Grimlock is the best one. My girlfriend just handed me the super sweet, uh, very recent kind of like sound wave. Totally. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, uh, I love that they're re reissuing some of like the original, um, like gen one kind of designs, but they're sort of like mm-hmm. modernized Lance. Do you have your favorites? Yeah. Um, so again, like beast wars was my version of transformers growing up. And so I had, the Megatron T-Rex, which was super cool, insanely hard to transform, <laughs> but very cool. Uh, and then I had a, a Cheetor, which was like the Cheetah one that was pretty much like uh, Hotshot or um, like Bumble, the Bumblebee of that series. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that one. It's like tail turned into a gun, which was really fun. And then I had whichever one was the pterodactyl, but I think the Megatron T-Rex and, and Cheetor were my favorite ones out of, out of that run. Nice. Uh, so now it's time for what if. What, what if? if? Each issue we do what nerds do best. We share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this week, the idea is what vehicle would you want to transform into and I added something that I want you both to think about is what would be your upgrade or special weapon or feature? Mm, that's good. Yeah, because everybody had their own little thing. Yeah. So to give you both a little bit of time to think, I'll go first for this one, okay? Uh, one of my like dream cars has always been a 1969 Corvette Stingray. I was obs- I'm obsessed with the body frame for that car. Uh, when I was living in New York, there was a uh, like a family friend that had this car and they had a L88 race car engine in it. And so that thing would fly like, you know how in Fast and Furious movies when like it just looks like blurs are going past your face when they're driving. That's what this car did when I was in it. And it, it's crazy <laughs> how fast it accelerated. So I would want to transform into that car. So 1969 Corvette Stingray. And my special like feature or weapon would be the elongated exhaust pipe that's along the side of the car would uh, turn into like it would like it would elongate and separate. So it could actually be like a like a Stingray's tail. So it's actual Stinger. And so that would be the weapon. And I know how badly that would hurt because I've actually been stung by a stingray before. Uh, so yeah, it, it didn't feel great. Um, so yeah, so that would be my little special feature for my transformer. Nice. Carlos. Uh, well, my joke answer would be, I would transform into a fridge. Uh, <laughs> just to easily have access to as much food as I wanted uh and and probably my 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 special ability would be i'd be one of those like two two level freezers where the bottom the whole bottom area is the freezer uh and i'd probably just launch frozen turkeys out of there Uh, that that would be pretty fun what would your Uh, name be (laughs) frigid i think i'd be 
C- uh, cooler. <laughs> cooler. <laughs> cooler. <Yeah>. Yep. Hey, <laughs> guys. And I'd have, like, sunglasses yeah. when I transformed into the robot mode. Ice maker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the more serious answer, I guess, would be, um, ever since, since, uh, I was a kid, I really love big construction cranes. Mm-hmm. Um, like seeing them in city skylines is very like aesthetically appealing to me in a way. Um, and, and sort of when you're driving like under or near them, the scale of them tends to be like very impressive to me. So I, I would be sort of probably not like a full on construction crane cause they're static, um, and maybe like the the robot mode version might be a little weird, but maybe one of those uh, uh, construction cranes that are still fairly large but come in a big truck, you know, um, as as a transformer would be very cool. And I mean, the obvious sort of accessory or weapon to that is a big old wrecking ball. Yeah. Um, that in robot <laughs> mode can just be kind of shot out like a like a like one of those uh, uh, rocket uh, hands you see in like uh, mecha animes or yeah. something. Yes. Yeah. That'd be dope. That's awesome. All right, Chris. <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was like, what about, you know, like what about all the, the, the vehicles that are for utility, like, like fans and, and station wagons. So I, I, I would be like a soccer mom uh, van. Um, it, it, the, and it would just be like one of those big, like, you know, Honda Odyssey with like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know dvd yeah, players like that came down and, and just yep. and it like shoots soccer balls out of the back and people would have but they'd explode with an um, unlimited supply of snacks yeah just snacks all kinds of energon snacks for other transformers and uh no Orange i think slices it, that that's my joke answer um i think i would <laughs> if i picked a like a real vehicle i would want to be <laughs> a mini cooper um <laughs> just because i like i like the like the little transformer cars that that that, that were fun zippy um and i i, I think my special ability because i think back to like the italian job remake movie where they're just like going all around it has like super traction so i think i would like amp that up and the the mini cooper would have the ability to like stick to walls and like drive up and drive sideways and upside down it would just like have super super traction like go in any direction spider car so, spider car yeah I don't know what my name would be. Mini. It would be Coop. Coop. Yeah, Coop. <laughs> there you go. Or Traction. Uh, or Traction. Yeah, that's a Traction, good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'd have, a, I'd have a, uh, an exit like this. I'd be like, hey, hey, come on, guys. Come on there, Ice Maker. That's not a knife. <laughs> come on, Stingray. Let's go. <laughs> we got to go save Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this has been super fun. It is uh, time to close the book on Optimus Prime. But before we do, we want to say thank you to Carlos Guzman yes. for joining us today. Thank you so much. Well done. Uh, you brought a lot oh, of a great time. awesome information to uh, the lore and the backstory of Optimus Prime in comics. Crushing the hopes of Dale from Twin Falls, Idaho. Dale, just, just <laughs> sorry. You can still <laughs> sorry, make it work. Dale. Carlos, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, please, please give us uh, anything that you want to plug, um, any social media that you want to let us know, let let the readers know, well, readers, let the listeners know about. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm not very active on social media, uh, so definitely don't follow me there. But uh, you can catch me on the Knights of the Roll Table podcast, as Chris Woo-hoo. mentioned before. Uh, and then uh, I've actually written a couple of comics uh, along with my brother Alejandro. 
Um, one of them is a sequel to the Napoleon Dynamite movie that was published by IDW in 2019. It's called Napoleon Dynamite Impeach Pedro. Uh, you can you can you can sort of guess what the storyline might be about there. Uh, and then uh, my brother and I also worked on a, a, a creator owned comic book called Time Cheetah. And you can find yes. that at timecheetahcomic.com. Um, and and it's so good, you thing. guys. It's well, great. Thank you. Chris. Thank you. Uh, and that, that that one's definitely a little bit more PG thirteen R rated, uh, so not 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 for the kiddies. Um, but uh, yeah, the, check it out. Thank you, Carlos. It's time to close the book on Optimus Prime. So until next time, this is Chris and Lance and Carlos, reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Roll out. Roll out.